0: I hope that's your story. I hope that you have experienced Jesus Christ doing something significant for you. If not, I want to encourage you this morning that um, during this next 30 minutes or so that we have together, just to open your heart and allow God to speak to you. Because here's what I believe from deepest inside me. I believe with all of my heart that God can revolutionize your life. I believe that he can not only uh, forgive your past and help you to have a future, I believe that he can heal uh, brokenness that is within us, and and I believe that God can give our lives incredible meaning and purpose. Do you believe that? I hope you have a story like that, and if you have a story like that, are you sharing that story? I was reading a blog this week um, by a guy that I really like, and he was... um, Talking about a, an article that was in the Atlantic Monthly, and it was written by a guy who was kind of chronicling uh, his journey a little bit. And when he was asked about um, his, the, his spirituality, what he believed, he, he started to say, um, I'm an atheist, but he stopped. And he said, I used to call myself an atheist. He said, but quite frankly, he said, I'm not sure that that's the right term. He said, because honestly, I really haven't even thought about God for a few years. And he said, I really couldn't care less one way or the other whether people believe in a God. He said, I don't think that there's anything supernatural, but really it doesn't really matter to me. He said, I guess I'm a an apatheist because I'm really apathetic toward it all. And in the interview, what was interesting and also a little bit breathtaking was he said, you know, what's interesting to me, he said, is that even though I don't believe in anything supernatural, he said, uh, and I am an apatheist, he said, I've got several friends who are Christians, and they know where I'm at in my journey of faith, and yet none of them ever talk to me about their faith. I guess they are as apathetic as I am. That's a pretty big indictment. You know, in the, uh, in the survey that Barna has done with people who claim to be Christ followers, when asked the question, do you actively look for opportunities to share your faith with other people, and do you believe that's important, what's interesting is only about 30% of the people surveyed have said that that was important to them. And I think somewhere along the line, we're really missing a big part of what it means to be the light. You know, when we're talking about what does it really mean for us to, to shine the light of God in, in wherever we are here in South Oklahoma City or wherever we live, a, a part of that is really sharing the mission that Christ came, and that is to help people who are far from God find their way back to him. Now, it's just a question, and I just want us to process that this morning, but, but are you, would you say that you are actively looking for opportunities for God to speak through you into the lives of other people? If not, then, then maybe this message is for you today. I, I want to look at a passage of Scripture together. If you want to take out your bulletin, there, inside there's a, or a, a sermon outline that you can track along with us. We'll have the uh, words for you there. Also, we'll throw them up on the screen. By the way, if you'd like to track along in a Bible, there are Bibles in the back of the pews in front of you. And those Bibles are our gift to you. If you would like to take one of those home, we'd love you to have one. Feel free to do that. But let's look at a, a text of Scripture from Corinthians. Throw that up on the screen from Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. Paul said, and now through Christ, all the kindness of God has been poured out upon us undeserving sinners. That's all of us. Now read this out loud with me. And now he is sending us out around the world to tell all people everywhere the great things God has done for them so that they too will believe and obey him. Throw that next passage up from Acts chapter 1. These are some of the last words of Jesus uh, before he returned to heaven. Read this out loud. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Christ said, uh, very frankly, we are his witnesses. The only question is, what kind of witnesses are we? He said, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks, He said to us that you, we, as followers of Him, we are the light of the world. So the only question is, how bright of a light are we really being? Now, we've talked so far about the fact that we need to you know, really power up and have that Spirit of God within us and lean into Him so we've got something to shine and show. Last week we talked about going around being doing acts of kindness and really letting the love of God live through us But when the opportunity comes, just a personal question, are you open to talking with someone else about what God has done for you? Because that's what it means to be a witness. Now, I I know when we start talking about, you know, sharing our faith and and we, we get a little bit intimidated, and, and I think the pendulum has kind of swung because, you know, there was a time a few decades ago where, you know, Christians were kind of full contact Christians, man. I mean, you know, people were going door to door, knocking on somebody's door, and they would answer it and say, you know, can I ask you a few religious questions? Sure. If you were to die tonight, do you think you'd go to heaven? It's like, well, that's a little confrontational, you know. And, uh, and, 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 and we've, we kind of said, you know, we don't want to be that person, but we've kind of swung to where people don't even know that we believe in God. Because quite frankly, I think in many ways, we've become as apathetic as the man who was writing that article in the Atlantic Monthly. We now have the greatest story that is never told. And I want to challenge that within us today. You ready? Here we go. Let, let me give you a, a few thoughts this morning that um, I hope will throw you. Throw that first point up on the screen for me, would you please? Your most powerful asset is your God story, not your God knowledge. Now, this is really important because when we start talking about um, sharing our faith, you know, a lot of us start getting fearful because we, we start getting afraid, well, what if somebody asks me a question that I can't answer? Well, welcome to my world. (laughs) You know, as a pastor, what's funny is I get asked questions all the time about God, about the Bible, about faith. Questions that I really don't have a a great answer for. But that doesn't mean that God's not real, that Jesus didn't come, or any of that kind of stuff. It just means, you know what, we're limited to that. Here's the great news I want to set you free with you're not called to be a Bible scholar. God hasn't asked you to be a scholar at all. What he has asked you to be, what Jesus said in Acts 1, is to be a witness. And a witness simply tells other people what they saw, heard, or experienced. In fact, I love what, how Peter framed it in his epistle. Throw that passage up on the screen for me. Peter said, quietly trust yourself to Christ your Lord. Now read this out loud. And if anyone asks you why you believe as you do, be ready to tell him and do it in a gentle and respectful way. Now look at me. Just hear my heart for a second. So why do you believe? That's what Peter, Peter's saying. Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? Why did you choose to follow Him? That's what we're asked to share. Look at me. Has God ever done anything for you? If He has, then that's the kind of stuff that people need to hear. People don't need your theology, ladies and gentlemen. What they need is your God story of what He's done, because that's what they're looking for, too. Um, I, I loved the, the, the story about the family that moved to a new community and went to a, a brand new church for the first time. And when they got home, they were sitting to lunch together, and the mother looked at the little boy and said, Well, how was your Sunday school class? And he said, It was great. And so, well, what was your teacher's name? And he thought for a second, and he goes, I don't know. She said, you don't know your teacher's name? He said, no, I don't. I don't remember her saying. He said, but I think she was Jesus' grandmother. And <laughs> she laughed, and she said, why, why would you think she was Jesus' grandmother? He said, because she kept holding up his picture and bragging about him. <laughs> well, that's what we're asked to do. Again, we're not asked to be scholars, but what we are asked to simply be willing to share what Jesus Christ has done for us. I mean, how many times have we been in a conversation and we're hearing somebody talk about their, their, their marriage is having difficulty, or they're having health problems, or, or, or they're having fear about the future? And how many times in our own life has God helped us with those things? Is it so hard just to simply say, you know what? I know what you're going through. I was going through a hard time like that once too. And man, I just want to tell you, I reached out to God and he helped my wife and I through that. He helped me work through that. He helped me get over that. And you know what? I believe God can help you too. It's not our God knowledge. It's our God story. Now, let me give you another piece because for some of us, we, we need to know this. People need Jesus more than you know. They need Jesus more than you know I want you to just look around the audience here for a second look at look at some make make some people uncomfortable around you by looking at them. Would you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to stare quite like that. That's, that's a little scary. <laughs> that's borderline stalking over here. So, <laughs> you know, the reason I had you do that is because, you know, often when we see people and we see them smiling or we see them, we, we think, wow, they, you know, they're, they're just, they just have it together. And what I, can I tell you something about these people you're sitting close to? They don't have it together. They are every bit as messed up as you are. I promise you that. Sometimes that why is that so important is because sometimes we, we we're going to leave here and we're going we're going to go to restaurants and we're going to sit there and we're going to see these people sitting around us. They're going to be smiling and laughing and having a good time and we're and we're thinking, wow, they've just got life by the tail. Or we're going to go to work or we're going to go to school and we're going to see people. And they're going to be the cool kids or or, or they're going to be the guys the guys or gals at work that everybody looks at and goes, man, they just got it all together. they you know they're 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 beautiful and they're handsome and they drive nice cars and they're very. And we look at some of these people and we go, why would they need you? Jesus, And here's what I can tell you. Look at me. Please don't miss this. Behind those pretty faces and behind those smiles and behind all of that veneer that you see are people who are broken in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. If you knew their story, I promise you, it would make you cry. I promise you. There was a a story in Mark chapter 5 that I I thought was really interesting. Um, Jesus was on his way to heal a girl who was very sick. And as he was making his way to heal this little girl, there was a woman in the crowd who was trying to reach out and touch him. And this was her story. Throw that passage up on the screen. A woman in the crowd had suffered for how long? for 12 years with constant bleeding. Now, here's what I want you to get the point of all of this. No one in the crowd knew she was bleeding. No one in the crowd knew that this woman had spent everything she had on a host of doctors and had never gotten any better. In fact, the Bible said she had grown worse. Her life was deteriorating. She was panicked. She was desperate. She was dying. And no one even knew. Now, you've got to get this. Because sometimes we look at people and we think, man, they are just, they've got it all together. And, and, and you know, I'm I, I feeling I, like I ought to say something to them. But, you know, why, why would they want to come to church? Why would they want to hear about Jesus? I mean, they've got everything. And what you don't know is some of these people are bleeding to death and are reaching out for Christ in ways that you, didn't even, you can't even see. Track with me, throw that picture up on the screen. Anybody recognize that man? Who is it? Anthony Bourdain. Here's a guy, 61 years old, extremely successful. Uh, a, a culinary expert known around the world, had his own television show. Man, he, he traveled all over. He's had all kinds of famous people. He had all kinds of notoriety. What happened to him? He took his own life. Because behind all of that success, there was a broken heart. Throw that next picture up on the screen. Anybody recognize that young man? I bet some of you know some of their music. That's Chester Bennington. He was the lead singer from Lincoln Park. His brother, by the way, was interesting, was a cop in Phoenix. He was actually one of our police officers we had at our church, in, at the church I was at in Phoenix. Chester, um, with Lincoln Park, man, one of, the, one of the biggest bands in the world. They traveled all over. They had millions of fans. They had all kinds of fame. They had more money than they could spend. And, and yet this young man, at what, 28 years old, took his own life. Why? Because for all of those millions of fans and all that fame and that fortune, there was still something me- missing deep inside of him. He was bleeding to death, and no one even knew it. Throw that next picture up on the screen. How about that guy? Who's that? Robin Williams, one of my favorite comedians. I, I love his movies. I loved watching him. He just could make anybody laugh. And yet behind all of his humor, behind all of his laughter, behind all of this, there was a guy. Who was deeply troubled? Who had these dark places in his life that he never was able to overcome? Now. What I'm trying to tell you is we, we look at people like this and we think, man, they are so famous. They, 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 they are, are, are so rich. They, they are so whatever. And what we don't understand is that, that behind that image that they're portraying, there are people who are dying. That, and as you leave here, I want you to not miss that because behind those smiles of people all around you, there are people who are desperately needing Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, that connects me to a next thought. That is, sometimes it's the least likely who are the most willing to come to Jesus. Sometimes it's the least likely who are the most willing. Now, Jesus proved this over and over again by reaching out and connecting with people who are so far from God, the religious community had given up on them. He was so good at identifying the people in the crowd that everybody else wanted no, nothing to do with and thought they didn't want anything to do with God. They wouldn't have anything, uh, it, have no interest in the sacred or the holy at all. And yet Jesus connected with them. Over in fact, one of my favorite stories in Luke chapter 19 is the story of Zacchaeus. You remember? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And you remember what he did? He climbed up a tree. Why did he climb the tree? He wanted to see Jesus. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. I mean, he was one of the worst of the worst. He was stealing people blind. And for all this corruption and all this stuff, there was something inside of him that was still looking for God. And so when Jesus passed by, what did he do? He calls him by name. Out of all of this crowd, he was the one he called by name. And look what happened. Throw it up on the screen for me. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, and they took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. Read it with me. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. The people, the man that they thought was the least likely, was actually the one in the crowd who was the most willing to come to Jesus. We had a, in our church in PA years ago, we had a family that uh, we had led to the Lord and, and uh, they led brought some family members and this gal uh, who also committed her christ, life to christ had some had a couple kids and As I got to know him, she talked about her husband, who was kind of out there he was deep into some bad stuff and and uh, kind of a kind of a rough character and, and when I talked about maybe him coming with her, you know he 'll never come to church he doesn 't want anything to do at church and blah 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 and then uh, one Sunday we had our, our our Christmas close to Christmas, we had the kids singing in our christmas program and so this young man comes with his wife to see his kids in the christmas program and something unbelievable happened god touched his heart and so he came back the next week and he came back the next week and the next week and the next week And along the way, this young man who was so far from God, no one ever thought he would come, commits his life to Jesus Christ. Not only that, he developed an incredible passion to read God's word, became an incredible Bible student, got involved in men's Bible studies, eventually started leading men's Bible studies, and then developed a ministry with another man where he and this other guy would actually go to truck stops and share the gospel with truckers who were stopping in. This guy went from someone that they said he will never be interested in God to one of God's great soldiers western Pennsylvania don't you dare write off anyone because sometimes those least likely are the very people God has his hand upon amen amen now that connects me to another thought pay attention to those nudges from God Sometimes we're around some of those least likely people and sometimes we're feeling the nudge that maybe we ought to invite them to church or maybe we ought to share something with them or maybe, maybe we're in conversation and we, we hear them say something that kind of gives us a thought, you know, I ought to tell them about how God helped me with this. And, and, we, and we hold back. Now, here's what I want to say to you is that sometimes when we're, when we're feeling that, you got to understand that's how God moves through us. And sometimes those instinctive nudges that you have are actually the Holy Spirit giving you the push in a direction that you wouldn't normally go. You know, Peter experienced this. Um, in Acts chapter 10, Peter was praying and, and God was giving him this, this vision about, uh, you know, connecting with people who were, who were of other faith. And he, could, he was trying to understand what this vision was all about because it had to do with reaching beyond the borders of his own Jewish faith. And, and, and Peter was still trying to wrap his mind around the fact that the gospel was for all people everywhere. And then out of that, here's what happened. Throw that passage up on the screen. It said, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Read it out loud. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Now, what I want you to know is that sometimes when you're feeling that nudge, it's because God has moved those people into your path for a reason. Now, that reason may or may not be the the fruit that you're going to bear because sometimes when we're connecting with people about our God story, sometimes we're just planting a seed with them that they're going to have to think about. And sometimes when we're connecting with people, it's about the fact that somebody else has planted a seed and we're kind of just heart, just fertilizing that a little bit and giving them a little bit more conversation about God. And every once in a while when we connect with people, we're going to have the opportunity to help be the door for them to take their step into the kingdom of God. Does this make sense to you? Don't ignore those nudges. I, I, uh, for those of you who have known me any length of time, know I, I love to hike and um, I read a story uh, a couple weeks ago that I was just so fascinated by because it's right uh, so apropos for this. Uh, out on the, on the East Coast, uh, there was a, a gal in New Hampshire who was a part of an um, uh, area uh, hiking group and a very experienced hiker. Her name was Pam Bells. And uh, Pam decided uh, October 17th, uh, several years ago, I think of 2010, She was uh, going to take a hike, and she she went by the weather observatory and saw that it was going to be really pleasant during the morning, but that it was going to get nasty about midday, and there was going to be some high winds and snow and sleet blowing in. And she realized that she could get up and then over across the mountain uh, and back down in plenty of time. And so she decided, because she knew what she was doing, she, she took off for this hike. And when she started, throw that picture up on the screen, this is what she looked like. This is the selfie she took at 8.30 in the morning. It's, uh, it's all snow on the ground, but it's like upper 50s there at that point. And so she's hiking, and uh, you know, when you're hiking, you, you learn how to wear layers when you're in the mountains because it can turn cold very quickly and snowy very quickly. In fact, an hour and 45 minutes later, this is what she looked like because the temperature had dropped dramatically, the wind had picked up, the snow and sleet was blowing, and as she got near the, the peak where she was going to turn off, and she was, was timing herself very well, as she was making that turn, she saw there were some footprints that went off to the left off of the trail, and having hiked that trail many times, she, she realized, you know what, I, I hope those people know where they're going, or that person knows where they're going, because that doesn't lead anywhere. And realizing that that was going to be a dead end and how bad the weather was getting, she got a little bit fearful. And something inside of her said, you need, you need to follow those footprints. Now, she was struggling because she knew she was under a time crunch here. And she thought, if I follow those footprints very far, you know, I could get lost. And you got to be very, very careful with that. So, but she felt it. She said, I've got to do this." So she started following the footprints. And she was yelling out in the middle of this wind blowing. She was yelling, anybody there? Does anybody need help? And as she was walking, she rocked about 30 or 40 feet, and she was just about to turn back, and she decided just to walk a little bit further and around the bend. And as she came around the bend, she saw a man sitting on the ground between two boulders he had on shorts and tennis shoes and a shirt. And he was freezing to death. And she got over to him and, and she said, "Are you okay? Are you hurt?" And he was so frozen that he couldn't answer her. And and she began to immediately go to work. And she got out some warmers that she had and put him in his shoes to warm his feet up. And she began to rub his arms. She pulled out some clothes and tried to get get him a little bit of stuff on. And now, all of a sudden, she's realizing, I've got to get this man down the mountain. And so she, as quickly as she can, but she said, it to, actually took her close to an hour to get him to a place where he could move. She could move his arms and legs and get him up. And she grabbed hold of him, and she said, dude, what is your name? And she, he couldn't answer her. He said, well, John, I'm going to call you John. He said, I'm going to, I got to get you down the mountain. Stay on my tail. And he, they began to head down the mountain, and she, he stayed with her. Got him all the way down to the car, and when she finally got him down to where he got him back to his car, she saw that he had no other clothes with him. And she said, what were you thinking? And he just shook his head. And she said, please, be safe. And he seemed to be fine. And so she got him in the car. He got warmed up and, and he left. About two weeks later, they received a letter at the Appalachian Trail office. And it was addressed to Pam. And this man said, I am the one they called John just a couple weeks ago. And I need to tell Pam something I never said. I was not on that mountain by accident. And I was dressed the way I was on purpose. My life had tanked and things had gotten so bad that I just decided to end it all. And so I climbed that mountain dressed as I was knowing that the storm was going to blow in. And I sat down between those two rocks and closed my eyes and waited to die. And he said, and the next thing I knew, I had this crazy lady shaking me, asking me what I was doing there, and she was working so hard to save my life that I realized I must be more valuable than I thought. I don't know who she is. I only know her name is Pam. Please tell her thank you for me. I want you to get this. Sometimes following those footprints, sometimes following those nudges means more than you think. Amen. Let me give you one last thought. Sometimes when we're working, particularly when we're thinking about people that we're close to, Sometimes we realize that they, they aren't ready. And sometimes it seems like no matter what they say, that they throw it back in our face or they're resistant. So sometimes, you know what? We just have to pray and let God work. Sometimes we just have to pray and let God work. And this is where I want to set you free. It is not your responsibility to bring conviction to anybody. It's not your responsibility to convert anyone to jesus our responsibility are simply to tell our god's story and offer the invitation for anyone who would like to to come look at me and if they don't want to let it go give them to god and pray here's what jesus jesus said throw that up on the screen for me john 6 44. read this out loud for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we give up on people. It just means we change our strategy for being a light from talking at them to praying for them. And the prayers of righteous people, the Bible says, are powerful and effective. And I know, and, and what's this important is because I know some of us have some people in our life and, and, and you've been praying for them. And, and it may be, maybe you've had conversations and they've gotten mad at you and maybe you've invited them. And, they've got, and, and maybe you, you came even came to church today going, man, I don't even know why I mess with them. And, and that's okay. Don't give up on them. Just change your strategy to one of prayer. Because I promise you, your prayers make a difference more than you know. In fact, this is what Jesus said in Luke 18. Throw that up on the screen. He says, one day, read it out loud. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. This is a great story. This is a young man by the name of Sam who wrote this. He says, I came to the United States to attend a small state college. I planned to go on to medical school. My first year of college was perfect. He said, I was getting great grades. I had a girlfriend and lots of other friends. And I was quick to point out to people that I had all of this without relying on anyone but me. He said, I knew plenty of Christians. He said, in fact, I used to read the Bible just so I could argue with Christians. I wanted to know what they believed so I could break down their reasons for believing. For example, he said, I had a biophysics professor who was a Christian, and he would tell me about the miracles that he had seen in his life. And he had always, in the ways that he had supposedly seen God work uh, in the world, he said, but I just thought he was way off, and I'd argue with him and try to convince him that he was foolish to believe in Jesus and that his faith was just a joke to me. Well, it didn't take long for God to change my mind. During my junior year of college, everything in my world started to fall apart. My girlfriend broke up with me. I ran out of money, and I had to drop out of school. So much for having it made. (laughs) He said, I thought about going back to my family in Sri Lanka, but I didn't want to face them when I had failed so miserably. One night, I was sitting in the college library, trying to come up with ways to get out of my situation, and the only solution that really seemed reasonable to me was suicide. But as I sat there thinking of the best way to kill myself, I heard a voice and it said, have you ever asked me for help? He said, I, I looked around and I, I couldn't see anyone. I thought I was going crazy. And then I heard the voice say, I'm Jesus and I'm right here next to you. He said, I know this sounds strange. He said, believe me, I was freaked out. He said, I, I, I honestly, I, I heard Jesus talking to me and he said, I, as I listened, he said, I felt something I had never experienced before. He said, all of a sudden, he said, as I'm, I'm sitting there realizing Jesus is speaking to me, he said, all of a sudden inside of me, he said, I began to fill up. He goes, and I, I used to feel so hollow and empty. And he said, I, I knew that something was happening to me and that it was real. I wanted to talk to someone, but I didn't know who. And suddenly I felt God urging me to go see my biophysics professor. That's right, the same guy I used to argue with and put down all the time. So I walked across campus to the science building, and I found him working in his office. And as I walked in, he said, I'm so glad you're here. God had put you on my heart. And I had been praying and hoping that you would come and talk to me. And we talked for a long time. And I told him how empty my life had become. I told him what I had experienced in the library. And as he talked to me about Jesus' power to change lives, I knew I was ready to follow Jesus too. And he prayed with me. And that was the day I became a Christian. I wonder how many friends, faculty members, other people in Sam's life gave up on him he was cocky he was argumentative he was not only didn't believe he mocked people who did but while other people gave up some people like that biophysics professor kept praying and in his due time God broke through you know I I hope that as we leave here today, I really hope that you will be the lights of God in this world because it's desperately needed. And I hope that the love of God lives in you and shows through you. But today, I also hope that somehow as you lean into God, you will find the courage to open your mouth and share with other people what God has done for you. I'm not asking you to be rude or confrontational or argumentative. Here's what I am asking you to do. Be a witness. If God has done something for you, you share it. Here's how I want to close this morning. We've got a, 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 a great song that we're going we're to play and, and let you reflect on. And while we do that, you may have some people uh, in your life who are far from God that you're praying for. Some people that you're asking God to either use you or someone to reach out and touch. Maybe some people that you've thought about giving up on along the way, but I don't want you to give up on them. Instead, I want you to just continue to pray and ask God to break through. And, and this morning, while we play this, in the, front of the, in the pews right in front of you, there are some prayer cards. And I want to invite some of you, maybe maybe to write some names of some people that you're praying for. Some people that you want us to pray with you about that God would draw to himself. For some of you, you may think about situations. You may say, you know what? I'm surrounded by people at work, and I don't know that I have any one person, but would you pray for the people at work? Or would you pray for some of the guys on my team? Or, or, Or would you pray for some of the people that I'm a part of a group with? Whatever, Wherever it is, you feel God nudging you today to be a light. I just want to invite you during these next few moments to just write those names on the card or write those places on the card. And while this song plays, you can hang them on the prayer wall, you can lay them on the altar. Some of you may want to take a moment and just kneel and pray and just intervene for somebody that you know today that needs a special touch from God. You know, sometimes we never know are the Sams in our life just how close they may be coming to that point in their life where they too reach out for Jesus. Let's make sure we commit ourselves to God to be available, to be used by him when people come to those places. So we're going to play the song. If you have some folks that you would like to, you feel free to hang them on the prayer wall or put them on the altar. And after we play this song, I want to pray for us before we leave. Our fathers, we come to you today. Um, I do pray that you would light a fire in our hearts that would make us passionate about being aware and observant of people around us and sensitive to the times when your Holy Spirit wants to use us to share in simple ways what you have done for us. Father, I pray that we would listen to those nudges that you give us. Sometimes they don't always make sense to us, but we never know where those footprints might lead or who they might lead us to. And how desperate they are. Lord, as I was watching the words to that song, I, I, that really is the prayer for many of us of our hearts. And because some of us have some people, Lord, that we love so much and they don't know you. Some of them have nothing to do with you. And the cry of our heart would be that somehow, some way, that your Holy Spirit could break through. That they would come to know you and love you like we've come to know you and love you. and Lord, we don't know how it is that you might want to use us as a part of that, but today we make ourselves available. We're going to ask you, Lord, to do your part, to just keep working on their heart and moving on them. And we just firmly believe that in your time and your way, you will open that door. Father, again, as we leave here this morning, we commit ourselves to be your light this world. Help us to be courageous enough to invade the darkness wherever we go and shine for you. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.